On this episode of Leadership Lessons in Health System Pharmacy, you will hear from Dr. Scott Mark, Vice President and Solutions Architect at Craneware, as we discuss handling job loss as a pharmacy leader. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Leadership Lessons in Health System Pharmacy. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Weber, Chief Pharmacy Officer and Administrator of Pharmacy Services at The Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center. Powered by the Ohio State University Lachalet Leadership Program, this show is designed to keep current and aspiring health system pharmacy leaders up to date with issues, trends, and best practices affecting our profession. You can learn more about the Lashley Leadership Program and the Ohio State University's College of Pharmacy MS in Health System Pharmacy Administration and Leadership by visiting go.osu.edu forward slash pharmacy leadership. That's go.osu.edu forward slash pharmacy leadership. Dr. Scott M. Mark is Vice President and Solutions Architect at Craneware Incorporated. His primary role is working with clients to optimize IT solutions and to use these partnerships to drive the product roadmaps, client adoption, and user satisfaction. Previously, he worked as the Vice President in the Startup Division of Craneware Healthcare Intelligence, where he helped develop and launch a new cost analytics tool for hospitals. Scott has over 30 years of progressive healthcare leadership experience in a variety of diverse roles within healthcare. Prior to his role at Craneware, Scott served as Vice President of Strategy and Operations at the Allegheny Health Network, as well as Corporate Vice President of IT, the National Pharmacy Practice Director and Healthcare Advisory Practice at Pricewaterhouse, and as a department head at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. Dr. Mark holds multiple degrees in pharmacy, management, masters of business administration, accounting, and finally theology. Scott completed his residency at the Ohio State University, is a fellow in the advisory board company, as well as a fellow in the American College of Healthcare Executives and the American Society of Health System Pharmacists. He has received a variety of national awards for education, leadership, mentoring, marketing and professional service, and was inducted into the National Academy of Practice as a distinguished practitioner and subsequently served as the chair. Dr. Mark has served as an invited lecturer at a variety of universities and regularly presents at national meetings. Dr. Mark is an eloquent lecturer speaking at nearly 180 universities, both internationally and nationally. So, you know, obviously you and I have known each other for uh, a very long time. I, I respect uh, your knowledge and wisdom and your advice. And I, I think this podcast, Scott, is, uh, is one that is, should be listened to by most pharmacy leaders because of the reality that we all face as leaders. And that is dealing with sudden job loss and dealing with job loss, particularly uh, during this time where there's added stress uh, of the pandemic and really sort of a slowdown in sort of hiring and job freezes, et cetera. So, you know, again, you've had lots of experience mentoring people and, and talking to folks about 
how to manage themselves after they lose a job. But but for the audience, just just describe for us kind of the typical scenario that you see in a pharmacy leader who experiences some sudden job loss. Well, ironically, uh, folks go through a grieving process that, that is not dissimilar to what you would expect when you lose, lose a loved one. So, you know, they go through a, you know, a period of denial, a period of anger, a period of bargaining, depression, acceptance, where they, they essentially come to grips with it. And, and part of that is because, you know, in, in high-end professions like pharmacy, um, people define themselves by their job. So, so the loss of the job becomes, in some ways, a loss of who they see themselves as in society. And so they're, they're really grieving that, that self-definition. And so until they come to a point where they, they can redefine who they are as individuals and their contributions to you know, society and their family and, and their, their, their own lives... Um, they, they really go through that, that uh, period where they're struggling to anchor themselves. Hmm. Yeah, and, and that is a tough, I'm assuming that has got to be a really tough time. So what, what usually happens? Uh, somebody is all of a sudden called into the HR office or there's a meeting or, I mean, how, do, how, do, how does sudden job loss happen, Scott? I mean, how? Well, so the first thing I think you need to appreciate is, the higher up you get in an organization, the more you are at risk of a job loss. And so, you know, folks that are at sort of mid-level or, or below, they think of um, separation uh, from a job as being something related to performance. And the reality is the higher up you get in, a, in an organization, the less likely it's related to performance because the less likely you have direct control over performance. And so, you know, one of my personal mentors, an OSU grad, used to say, you know, you're, you're really only one medication error away from losing your job, right? right? All it takes is somebody on the night shift to dispense something, and you're going to get a phone call in the morning to visit somebody uh, in, in HR. So, you know, the better way to think about it at, at this point is to think about it like you would a professional coach, right? So, so no professional coach takes a job with a team thinking they're going to retire there, right? So, so they think, you know, I'm going to do the best I can. If the team, for whatever reason, isn't successful, maybe we have injuries, maybe we just don't have the, the best season we have. You know, it's the coach that people look at in terms of the performance, whether, you know, it's their fault or not. And so the same is true in a, in a pharmacy CPO type role. So, you know, anything that happens in the organization financially, medication use, uh, they're, they're going to look at you in terms of being accountable for that. The other thing my, my, one of my mentors used to say was, you know, you're really only one boss change away from being on the chopping block. So, you know, as, as much as you might do a tremendous amount of good for your organization, building programs or, or moving in a direction that's consistent with strategic plan, uh, a new boss can easily come in and decide that they're not supportive of any of those initiatives. And so suddenly you find yourself in, in disagreement with the new organizational strategic direction. And so it, it places you in a situation where you have to decide whether you're going to backtrack sometimes years of work or whether or not you're going to put a pin in it and move on. And sometimes that decision gets made for you. Well, that's true. And, and from your experience, uh, I mean, obviously you've worked with dozens of leaders. How often does this happen where you've got 
you know, a situation where, you know, you get a call and said, oh, hey, by the way, I've just been told that I have a month left or I'm gone today. Or how often have you seen that happen? I would say almost on a monthly basis, I hear of somebody I know within one of my circles that is currently experiencing this. Um, the, the situation and circumstances change uh, from case to case, but but it's happening actually with quite regularity. Uh, and that's especially true, obviously, during a pandemic when they're struggling uh, with financial accountability. Uh, but it's also uh, happening at times just because of the, the overall um, stress and pressure within the healthcare system. So you think that, for example, <clears throat> CEO types, you know, folks in the C-suite, look at the pharmacy, obviously, as a key stakeholder in terms of revenue and safety and all those things. And and they may just come in and like, a, for example, a new CEO may come in and say, you know what, I, I was at, you know, X hospital and the pharmacy director did this and they give the guy like three or four months or the person three or four months and then the CEO decides they want to move a different direction. Is that, are those the examples of things that happen? I can give you a few examples um, just from colleagues that, that I've known over the years. Um, so, so obviously, the, the, a common one is, you know, a, a new CEO comes in and there's issues with the, the financial uh, sustainability of an organization. And so, you know, pharmacy as, as a whole represents, on average, 20% of your expenses across your organization. So, you know, one of the first places they look, because the expenses are consolidated, is the individual in charge of that. And, and sometimes you get put in situations where you have unrealistic expectations and certainly no history to back up uh, a new set of budget directions. Um, so another situation is, you know, pharmacy is exceptionally connected in organizations. And so you're connected to the medical staff, the nursing staff, a, a lot of very politically influential people. And so when an organization wants to move in a new direction, Sometimes the pharmacy director can be seen as an impediment because mm. if they're not politically on board, it is easy to take out that uh, political obstacle uh, as, a, as a chess piece off the board rather yeah. than try to negotiate political influence from them. And so sometimes you just see those organizations make that decision. And I've seen sometimes where the, the pharmacy director was exceptionally talented uh, but they they were just removed from the chessboard because of that. Yeah, and so basically, it's an easier fix, right? To to move that person. It is. Um, a, a colleague of mine several decades ago now, dating myself, um, that that happened to, and, and he remains to this day one of the most talented pharmacy directors I've known in my career. Um, but it it became obvious to the organization as they were trying to move in new directions to meet some financial goals that his, um, his support was essential and they didn't want to be in a situation where they had to negotiate support from, uh, from a department head. So, so they made the decision to remove him. And, and you know, the myoptic side of that is it, it took them 10 years to recover in terms of pharmacy operations because of that. I, I am sure. I am sure. Okay, so, so this happens and then you get a call from this person. This person's obviously in that early stages of grieving you know, Scott, can you, I can't believe this happened. You know, I got a call, blah, blah, you know, I'm getting a severance, this, this. How do you, how do you manage those situations with people you've uh, mentored, Scott? Well, the first thing you need to understand is they're, they're not in a position where they're thinking about 
career direction. They're, they're in a situation where they're struggling with that, that disbelief. And so, you know, they're, they're in denial. And so, you know, the first thing you need to do is walk them through the denial phase, right? So, you know, it, it would be equivalent to somebody losing, you know, somebody significant in their life and you calling them up and asking them to go, go to a party or something. You know, you, you need to meet, meet them where they are. And for many people, um, a lot of that just means being willing to sit and listen and understand what they're going through. You'd be surprised how many people go through a shunning process when this happens, regardless of the situation. They, they go through the shunning process where existing staff feel like they, they can't call them and talk to them because it, it would be inappropriate. Friends feel like they can't call and talk because they don't want to put them in a situation where they're embarrassed. Um, so, so this person really feels isolated. And, and what they need is, is a pathway back from that isolation. So, you know, colleagues that this has happened to um, along the way, you know, I make it a point to try to call regularly. So, you know, somebody I, I know quite closely uh, went through this about three months ago. And, and so I've made it a point uh, about once every three weeks just to text them and say, how are you doing? Where are you at? Let's talk. Let, let's let's talk a little bit about what, what to expect, right? So that there's a certain sort of predictability to what's going to happen in those first couple months. Um, and so let's talk about it. So it doesn't sound so surprising when it happens. Uh, and sh- the shunning process is actually one of the things I talk to them about. You know, you're, you're going to find yourself in situations where you won't hear from people that you used to speak to daily. And sometimes you won't hear from them for months or at all. And so how do you deal with that, right? How do you reconcile the job loss as well as the friend loss? Yeah, the isolation would be would be crippling, really, when you think about it, considering most of the time you spend in the day is at your job, and all of a sudden your connections at your job are gone. And that, to me, that, that to me would be the most devastating. Are there warning signs in an, in an organization that something's going to happen to somebody that they're going to lose their job? Are there signs? I mean, not being invited to meetings, you know, it's kind of the classic one, but are, are, are there signs that one might be aware of? Yeah, there, there's a variety of signs that are overt and a, a variety of signs that are covert. Mm-hmm. So so the overt ones are some of the things you've just described, right? So, you know, somebody comes in, they're new to the organization, and suddenly there are people invited to meetings that that historically were never invited, and there's people that are not invited. And, and it sort of sends this subtle message throughout the organization of haves and have-nots. Uh, and some of that's to be expected, and some of that's to be clarified. Um, but but that's definitely one of the signs. Uh, a, a bigger sign is to have a, a, an appreciation for the strategic direction of the organization and the financial health of the organization. So I spent um, many years in consulting, and and some of which was in the labor side of consulting. And and often when I would go into organizations, there would be a sense of um, lack of transparency of the financial health of an organization. So, so the classic example that, that I recall is I went into one organization and, and it was a very large, very prominent uh, academic medical center. And they were down to two days cash on hand. They, they literally didn't have enough money to pay the payroll that upcoming Friday. So, so Two days cash on hand. So we were up to uh, up there to create some pretty dramatic changes. And so going into the organization, 
Um, this was a complete shock. We weren't, of course, permitted to share any of this, but it was a complete shock to uh, department heads why we were even there. And so the, the amount of reticence of, of making changes was pretty significant. And it really all stemmed back to, to um, the transparency of the senior leadership. And, and in part, that was driven because they didn't, they were a state organization. They didn't want to be on the front page of the paper. Uh, sure. with some sort of government uh, investigation. And they didn't want all of their supply chain contracts locked down because of uh, fear of lack of payment. Uh, and so, so they were trying to hold on as long as they could. But what it, what it resulted in was uh, department heads did not have an appreciation for their need to contribute to the financial health of the organization. And pharmacy historically falls into this because we, we all go through this training in pharmacy school where we have this expectation that you know our role is is about patient care patient safety uh, and clinical directives um, and, and the lack of um, tethering to any financial accountability makes us vulnerable interesting yeah that is so some of the the key points you've talked about Scott are really really helpful for the listeners on this podcast the first is really you know understanding how losing a job is really close, really closely tied and similar to losing many things in life as it relates to people that are special in your lives. Understanding that most of the time it's not due to performance. Understanding as well that there are signs, there are some overt and you said covert signs and obviously understanding the organization and where the organization's at and how the, the pharmacy's contributing or not contributing to that mission is really important. So. How long does it take somebody to, quote, recover from like mentally and sort of get themselves back on track to really start redirecting their career? How long is it variable? How, I mean, how long, in your opinion, does it usually take someone? So there, there's a couple of variables that, that are re required to answer that question. The, the first is um, how contemporary are your skill sets? So one other thing I'm a big proponent of is lifelong learning. And I, and I think it's absolutely essential that you appreciate that even in your current role, the required skill sets to be successful are changing. But in future roles, they're, they're even more so changing. So you may not come out of a CPO, CPO role and, and drop back into another CPO role. Or you may not be able to because of geography or, or family situation or whatever. So you have to make yourself marketable to a variety of roles. Now, the, now the plus side of this, and especially in pharmacy administration, is the skill set of a pharmacy leader is about as diverse as you will find in anywhere in healthcare. So, you know, people have to have financial acumen and, and clinical understanding, and they have to understand inventory and supply chain and IT and informatics. And so, so you are already exceptionally marketable, but you also could be more marketable if you add certain skill sets for a probable landing point along the way. So, so that's the first thing is, is, you know, you can't come out of a job that you've been in for 10 years and not have done any sort of professional development because that, that will increase your lead time to, to get yourself reestablished. The second thing is you, you have to maintain your contacts and your ear to the ground in terms of opportunities. So knowing that this could happen to you at any point in time, you have to be in ongoing conversations with people about what's happening in the marketplace and where things are heading in terms of opportunities and required skills. 
so that you can start to to tether yourself with that direction of the pre- profession and the healthcare market in general. Wow. Those are outstanding points, Scott. And <clears throat> I think, again, I, you know, honestly, a lot of pharmacy directors just go day to day, and I don't think that they're, that they're thinking about this skill development. I really don't think that they're thinking uh, at least at, at some point about, you know, what would they do if they had to transition careers and, you know, transition jobs. And it's really important for the listeners of this podcast to hear what Scott's saying is to understand that as you start your leadership career, specifically the residents that listen to this podcast, you really need to maintain that professional development piece throughout your career. And I know, Scott, you've done that um, in an amazing way, in my opinion, with the with the varied degrees and lifelong learning that you've had from business and finance and theology, all of those have really shaped you into the person you are today. And it's, it's evident from this discussion that uh, that you you have a clear understanding of sort of how people need to manage themselves throughout their life as it relates to learning. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, Tell us about some success stories, you know, people that, you know, that have kind of come out the other end and then, wow, they have a great job. And obviously not mentioning people by name or position, but, you know, just what are some of the success stories? Because I know, you know, I'd like to talk a little bit about the hopeful nature of this whole process in that, yes, it's a it's a very devastating thing that can happen. However, there is hope if you manage it correctly and take the right steps and find mentors like yourself that can help you through this process. So what are some of the success stories? Well, so one thing you often see is people get set in a role and they're ready for transformation or they're ready for growth, but something's holding them back. So so sometimes this is the nudge that people need. And so you often hear situations where folks come out of a role like this that they've been in for some significant period of time, they get put in some other challenging role that either um, stretches them in a new direction or becomes a stepping stone to something even larger. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's the, the tale that I often hear about is, you know, they, they look back and they say, gosh, you know, I was, I was more ready for a change than I realized I was. Um, the other interesting thing is, um, pharmacy is um, also unique in that because it's so connected within the organization, it requires you as a pharmacy leader to develop people in a variety of areas of your operation. And so the irony here is if you've done a really good job of developing staff, then you almost make yourself obsolete at least temporarily. So, so the thing that happens is somebody leaves an organization and the organization continues to run well without them. And, and people look at that and they think, well, gosh, that just means that they were redundant all along. The reality is the opposite. It, it means they've done such a fabulous job that they've created a machine that can run well without them. And, and I, I recall a colleague of mine uh, from Texas years ago who interestingly um, made that comment to me about how his team left um, amidst some organizational change. Um, and, and his frustration at the time was that he knew that organization was going to run for at least two years without any signs of performance decrease. 
Now, now the interesting thing is, years later, he's a COO at a major academic medical center now. So it, it, it shows you that his skill set was actually preparing him for something larger. That's amazing. Uh, that is really cool. So I know there are some times, and this is a situation that I thought I would bring up, where the pharmacy director has done something stupid and lost their job. Yes. It could be you know misappropriating an expense report. It could be violating a human resource policy. What's the re- how's the recovery from that? I mean, how's that? I mean, I'm assuming that's a bit different approach, but but how do people recover their reputation as well as find a new career? Well, you know, you'll always find somebody that'll hire somebody even if they have questionable moral integrity. So, finding a job is is generally not the hiccup. Re- recovering your professional reputation is honestly more the challenge. But but, you know, for somebody who's intentionally led the organization into that that space, um, there's an accountability to those actions. You, you know, you choose the behavior, you choose the consequences. So, uh, but in, in the larger scheme, that's actually a very rare event. It, it's, it's quite rare for pharmacists and pharmacy leaders to be let go. And I know there's been some recently in the, in the news, and unfortunately, you get a media bias from that. But the reality is pharmacy is, is actually a very high-integrity profession, and those are exceptionally rare. The, the more rare, or the more common situation is that the pharmacist gets put in a situation where there's something questionable, questionable going on, and they're being asked to look the other way, and they choose not to do it. And so they find themselves in a situation where their their ethics actually get them um, separated from the organization, uh, and and unfortunately, you know, those are situations that are that are uh, tragic. Yes, yes, I would agree, Scott. It's been a great discussion. What what advice do you have for our residents out there? We have uh, about a hundred or so listeners that listen to this podcast, and. I would say 30 to 40 percent are residents. What, what's your advice to residents as they, uh, as they embark on their careers? Well, I, number one is always mentoring. So, you know, one of the things you find with senior leaders in organizations is a very high percentage of them have mentors. And you get to pharmacy leaders and actually a very few of them have mentors. And, and so that, that is absolutely essential. And so finding the mentor that will help you move in the direction you want to go, not the direction you currently are, is is really essential. You'd be surprised how many people would be willing to be mentors if just asked. So, you know, you think that it requires you to have some some personal and historic relationship with folks. But the reality is people want to help each other succeed and grow. Absolutely. And so if you're if you're uh, candid with them about what it is you're trying to achieve from that relationship, they'll usually make time for you. And I've had mentors over the years that are CFOs and CEOs and COOs and they they they're exceptionally willing beyond what you would ever expect to find and make time for you. So so I'd say I would say that's number one step. Number two is um, create um, stretch assignments for yourself. So, so something that's outside of your comfort zone, because those are the things that, that cause you to grow in ways that will open up new doors for you. So either through those mentoring relationships or through other means, you can usually 
get assigned to projects that are outside of your area of expertise or outside of your current uh, scope of responsibilities. And so the more you can engage in those kinds of activities, the more you demonstrate to people that you're versatile. And, and so what happens is you don't always know what door is going to be available to open for you in five years, 10 years. And so you want to make sure that you've established enough of a versatile skill set that you can walk through any door that happens to open up. And so that that's on you to be proactive about that. Interesting. So... What are you reading these days that you're interested in? What new podcasts you're listening to? What 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 are some of the things that are inspiring you these days, Scott? Well, as you know and mentioned, I'm I'm, uh, I'm studying theology, so uh, I have a variety of of books that I'm working through uh, in that regard. One in particular is on how to redesign uh, the church itself. I'm working with a, a local parish here. Um, to help reorganize their strategic plan and to, uh, I, this is ironic because it's, it's kind of uh, dovetailed into another podcast you and I have scheduled, which is strategic planning. So, so we're going to create a model where um, we run all of our ministry leaders through a strength finder type process so that we can identify the most appropriate and most needed strengths to be successful in certain types of ministry so that then we can recruit and retain uh, uh, individuals so that we can have the most optimal uh, ministry operations that the parish is looking to achieve. So, so that's kind of where I'm going. I could certainly talk for another half an hour on that alone. <laughs> well, it's been great, Scott, having you on to talk about this really important uh, topic one that uh, I talked to my residents about, and uh, I'm going to encourage everyone out there to listen to this podcast because it's just been packed full of excellent information. Dr. Scott Mark, Scott, thank you for being on the show today. Have a great day. Thank you, Bob. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Leadership Lessons in Health System Pharmacy. And if you found this interview helpful to your own professional development, please do us a favor share the good news with your colleagues and leave us with a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts each and every week.